back to the Wine Tech Insiders Podcast. It's been a while, but we have a full slate of our insiders here ready for 2023. And there's been some big movement in the world of tech. Uh, Chat GPT has come out. And there's also news in the wine tech world. Winks filed for bankruptcy. We're going to dive in, talk about it, and find out what it's all about. I'd like to welcome back the insiders. Seb, who's getting a tan right now, uh, <laughs> looking good from Trolley. Good morning. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, who's where he always is from Bottle Books. <laughs> Happy New Year. And Lori from Outshinery. Hi, everyone. And Nick from Wine Owners. Hi there. Not to mention Lori's cat. <laughs> And what's your cat is joining name, today for the podcast? Serendipity. And Serendipity, our fifth insider joining us today, is going to give us some uh, encouraging meows throughout the <laughs> podcast. So, diving in, Winks filed for bankruptcy. Um, they went public um, uh, not long ago, and uh, suddenly they're um, filing for bankruptcy. Uh, Laurie, what happened here? What have you heard? What I've heard is just like pandemic, but miscalculation. Obviously, everyone was doing everything more online for just reasons. And I think it's very easy to assume that we will keep growing on this. I think even ourselves have been a bit guilty of that within um, the Wine and Tech Insider podcast here. Um, and it's just been, I think, from what I understand, reading the article, challenging for them to just keep growing at the pace that they're um, we're not only estimating, but expecting to grow what they were like giving as numbers uh, and add to them, to that to their defense, a bit of like supply chain issues um, as well. So just like, I think having a, some hard time sourcing some wine in foreign countries. So instead of replacing it with bulk wine more local and then having a, a glut of like too many liquids coming at once uh, that need to get rid of it. And add to that uh, the cost, the increased cost of advertising online. I think this kind of services or subscription is as much a marketing advertisement game than a wine game. Uh, and we have all heard that ads are less efficient, that since Apple on top of it added the non-tracking, it's even harder. Um, so really, I think it's a combination and not just one reason behind that failure. But, um, yeah. Nick, what do you think? Is this um, uh, a story about uh, technology companies going through the pandemic? Is this about wine tech? Is this about how Lynx was run? Uh, do you have any opinion on, on, on this? Uh, yeah, well, I definitely am with Laurie in terms of her brilliant point around customer acquisition and the likelihood of that getting uh, more and more expensive, more and more competitive. Um, uh, I think I think the the, the 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 challenge for a business coming through the kind of a peak, the size of what we've seen over the last couple of years, is 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 a is a dual challenge um, around um, customer retention and repeat purchasing. Uh, and you know, if you have a brilliant product, and if you have brilliant customer service, and 
um, you know, you're just a really well-run business across those dimensions, then you will almost certainly continue to do quite well, irrespective of um, irrespective of the the market and the challenge around customer acquisition. If, on the other hand, your product is so-so the other side of pulling the cork and actually if you're hemorrhaging customers and your and your churn rate is is significant um then then you know that's when the rubber hits the road when the market comes off the boil and i think perhaps that is a combination of things that we're seeing here so i i you know i think i i suspect it's probably nothing to, not an awful lot to do with the tech um probably not an awful lot to do with the digital customer experience but everything to do with um those other key um aspects that that um that it, to. Yeah. it's funny you know it mirrors a bit the behavior of what we're seeing with netflix which obviously is a different service but they've never seen so much churn in the past um you know people would subscribe to netflix and we kind of like stick to it uh, and now like the Netflix is acknowledging that the number of people like doing it one, two months, canceling, switching to something else, or just never coming back. So, and you know, we can safely say that the quality of Netflix has lowered as well. Like, so it's just, it's interesting. Like, I think we see also this, the change in the subscription behavior, I think for consumers that are more, you know, watching their dollars also maybe more volatile than it used to be earlier. Yeah. Steph, do we see this through all of e-commerce or is this, are you no. seeing some of these topics? No, 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 no. We're actually seeing um, the direct to consumer sales from our perspective is still very strong. The subscriptions are also still very strong. Uh, there is a challenge with overall execution of the, the subscription. So it's really not enough just to have a wine club anymore. Uh, you need to offer something more. You need to make your customer feel ultra special, ultra kind of a VIP. Um, and uh, and ultimately, look, if we if we if we focus on, on Wink, it's clear that they, they've never turned a profit. So there is an argument for saying that while it was a, it was the first very kind of a public, very kind of open, very marketed, very well known club launched in the US, right? Uh, well marketed, well put together initially, but they probably should have crashed five years ago. Uh, and somehow they managed to raise more money and get more money and try and continue to grow, try and continue to acquire. Um, but that was effectively, as we've seen with a number of other tech platforms through and after COVID, um, that was basically their demise. Right? They ended up not really having a solid business behind it. And look to me, this is due to the experience, right? Whether it's customer service, whether it's product uh, product value, the overall experience around the product is notoriously very difficult, right? Here's a Pinot and here's a Pinot. Which one should I buy? Which one's better? Uh, and this is a very subjective kind of a thing. And ultimately they didn't figure it out. Um, so it is not, look, I'm glad to see that overall our numbers are really showing that wineries continuing to push the personalization aspect are definitely still ahead of the of the game um, i'm also worried uh, that in the us at least the numbers we're seeing out is that the newer generations the growth in wine consumption is not there 
right? So overall, the market is not growing as it used to be. There's more consumption, but consumption per capita is not growing as much. Spirits is overtaking and, and craft beers are overtaking. Um, so overall, it's a pretty challenging kind of environment and a challenging, challenging industry, uh, to say the least. Jonathan, do you want to jump in? Um, do you see some of these things uh, happening uh, across the tech business and wine tech or? Um, well, I think what we see is that, yeah, I mean, I think in, in our business, we, we see a lot of dynamics on the events. So um, associations um, exploring new regions that in the years that we've worked with them, they haven't really explored. Um, some of that is due to the uh, pandemic. Some of that is due to market shifting, tariff barriers being erected, having to find new markets. I mean, so there's, it's more than, it's not just one simple um, simple answer, but I think in the context of, of Wink and um, other businesses that are just reported a downturn in, in, in revenue, I mean, the wine industry as a whole um, seems to have increased revenue. So um, it's, it's not that, um, you know, wine, the people cooled on wine in the last six months or the last nine months, but rather it's, there's some specific uh, businesses and due to the pandemic, it's really hard to extrapolate a, a, a trend because also, you know, in the same articles that Wink has mentioned, you also um, see Naked, but Naked has a history of going up and down as, as well. Um, and there's been various reasons for that um, uh, before the pandemic, but um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of hard to extrapolate, but it's, it, there still seems to be demand for for um, for wine and, and spirits just consumed and acquired in a different different way from or from different companies than you might have gone for during the pandemic. Well I think it's fair to say naked is a completely different business model today than it was when they started what seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. So they've pivoted, they've adapted, they've tried to create a different kind of a business. It's, it's a functioning kind of a business. Wink did make a couple of changes to the way they were operating, but at the heart, there was still a subscription-based kind of a business. Uh, and yeah, we're back to normal, right? And a lot of people are, are, are now used to having subscription, canceling subscriptions, moving on, trying something else. So if the overall value out of their package wasn't there, but I maintain they should have shut down five years ago. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about chat GPT, everybody's favorite topic over Christmas dinner, um, over the holidays. Um, I think everybody was chatting about this uh, because probably there's somebody techie or somebody young who's been playing around with it. Um, and uh, everybody's wondering what it is and what's going on. Um, it, maybe it can answer Seb's question about is a Pinot a Pinot a Pinot. Um, let's get your first reactions uh, to ChatGPT and, and, and what you thought uh, initially, um, because I think that's, uh, that's important. That's, uh, that's an interesting um, perspective for us. Lori? What what did you uh, what did you think when you first uh, played around with it when you first uh, uh, took a look at it? Fascinating, 
scary and exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think it's a a mix of all, right? Like A-W-E, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. A mix of like the machines are here for real and they are, uh, you know, taking us over even in the creative direction. And then right away, just like putting another positive spin and trying to see the glass, you know, half full versus half empty. Just like, hey, like, what can we do with it? Like, how can we play with it at first, apply it, leverage it? Um, And it's been really fun, even internally to play with the tool, even between each other here, like at Tech Insiders, like, you know, trying recipe pairing with wine, trying, right now we're trying to see how the software, I mean, no, it's not a software, but how uh, ChatGPT can, you know, create custom code directly for a 3D software because you can write any kind of things, English, French, JSON, anything you want. So it's, we're just scratching the surface. And what's, again, scary and exciting is like, it was released November 30th. So it's only when November, January 17th is where it's releasing this. So it's still very recent in the public domain. Um, yeah, and I just get alert and just seeing cool things that people are creating. Um, but yeah, it was a heated dinner uh, yesterday, actually, with uh, my parents and my family of just like, what are we going to become as humans, you know? <laughs> That's fascinating. Uh, yeah, Jonathan, what do you, how was your react? What, what did you think? Every startup just got a free marketing department. Like our press releases, we have, uh, you know, we've never been great at writing press releases. Um, uh, and now starting to, you go into uh, ChatGPT, you type two sentences, and then it generates a five paragraph press release with quotes and the background on the, on the companies and none of that we had to do. And something like that would have taken us across our team. It might've taken a day worth of work and now it's taking us 30 minutes. And um, this is something that I think small companies don't always have the budget to give to a proper uh, copywriter. Um, and that's why I think like for a lot of startups who are trying to generate uh, good content um, uh, to make sure you know their emails are read and not just uh, canceled or newsletters canceled, I think it's, it's, it's an amazing time to be a, a startup um, that needs to tell stories. And, and, doesn't, and doesn't every startup need to tell stories, right? Every Absolutely. business needs to tell stories. And, 100%. And, and the challenge these days is the stories need to be shorter and shorter and more and more frequent. So it's a constant, it's a constant thing that needs to be fed. And, and it's very difficult for small businesses when it's when they're trying to do so many different things at once to maintain that intensity and that momentum through their communications and storytelling. So I completely agree with the fact that this is transformative in terms of being able to um, give a, a more powerful voice to, to, to businesses, broadly speaking. Um, and to um, you know, to alleviate the uh, uh, the content origination overhead that otherwise is there. I mean, there are some, there are you know, there are some, you know, eh, there are some notes of caution to strike as well. That you know, you definitely need to proofread what it comes out with. Um, oh, yes. 
you know, we, we try, you know, I think, I think somebody in my team for our 10th anniversary decided to sort of see if it would write a profile about me. So sort of stuck in Nick Martin wine owners. And of course, unfortunately, there are actually quite a few Nick Martins in the wine industry. And so I sort of became this sort of kind of curious pantomime horse made up of, you know, different personas. Uh, and, um, it was kind of interesting, actually. I, you know, I could have, I could have, yeah, I could have gone there for a day or two. But um, <laughs> was it was so... it a better Nick Martin, or or was it? Uh... <laughs> um, different, slightly, slightly more. Make you uh, blushing. It's <laughs> slightly less predictable. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think I think overall the topic yeah. is absolutely fascinating. Um, but ultimately, I, my, my impression is that there, there's probably, I wouldn't say a bit, there's a decent amount of more hype than there is really game-changing kind of a, oh my God, I don't need to hire a winemaker anymore. Chat GPT can just tell me how to make wine. Well, no, not really. Uh, we're not quite there yet. And I think um, if you're asking the same questions, if you're asking for similar style questions, it's not really a cookie cutter answer, but you can see that it's not necessarily an intelligent being. The whole idea of AI is that it's meant to be creatively contextual. It's capable of coming up with new ideas. In my opinion, what we're really dealing with here is a dictionary on steroids, right? How, how, do, I, how do I increase the alcohol level in my wine? And it'll fetch out not just the word and definitions, but also a bit of a procedure. If you ask the same question about a different attribute, it's going to be more or less the same kind of a structure coming out. Um, I think what's also, yeah, I think what's also different is the, again, not exactly the right terminology here, but like the interface. I think before everything that was AI or anything like that, like you needed to be a developer. You need, like, there was this kind of like, oh, there was this gatekeeping of like, I don't know how to get there. I think what Chad GPT is also very interesting is, you don't need to, you know, right? Like it's just like, and that's why obviously the the, the New York Times yesterday, he was uh, you know on the cover, just like okay, Harvard, anything, any schools, like everything is like okay, what do we do now? Because of course students are going to use that, and the plagiarism software can't recognize plagiarism because it's not copy paste. So I think what's interesting as well is like this democratization, like this removal of barrier to AI and. I think that's a part that could be easily forgotten because I'm the less techie of us all here. And I think for me, like that's very fascinating as well. Like it's really going into the hand of the masses. It's exactly, I think it's, it's far more of a threat um, to the likes of Google who have now a very basic search engine, right? I need to go through the results to try and find what's accurate. Just give it to me. Just give me the steps to get it down. Um, so from that perspective, it's, it's actually really cool, right? The interface, I absolutely agree. Uh, there is an argument to be said where, so what Jonathan mentioned with the press releases, uh, we looked at it with uh, some wineries as well uh, in order to have a, a seemingly human person to man their, their chat and their interactions on their website. So instead of being completely offline or in, instead of having a completely dumb bot going out on to some of your main, 
you can have a, especially with the winery's suite of products in mind, once ChatGPT understands a winery's website content, ChatGPT can then in seemingly intelligently answer questions to customers on a 24-7 basis. Um, so there's a couple of opportunities uh, from that perspective. I had an interesting experience. Uh, so I, I'm also working at Bottle Books and um, we have a new product, an e-label product uh, for the EU nutritional um, regulations that are coming in and ingredients regulations. And so I asked it to write a, a newsletter with just some basic information, maybe a sentence. And it created almost a perfect newsletter with all of this stuff that was sort of fluff, but saying, oh, you can customize the colors and you can do this and you can do that. A lot of it was true, but it was amazing because I realized how much just fluff there is and that those things are not differentiating. So what might be interesting is let's say you're a winery and you have a Pinot in Napa that you just say, please give me a tasting note for Pinot in Napa or a, or a marketing description. And, and then you can look at what you have and see, okay, well, what's unique about my wine? Or maybe mine is a classic Pinot from Napa, or maybe, so it's also an interesting to, way because I think we'll soon be able to see, right now we can't, but soon we'll be able to see this fluff, especially if we have a focus in our industry or whatever, we'll say, oh, oh that, that was definitely written by ChatGPT or, oh, that like, I can see how, well, you know, it, it wasn't unique and it might push us to figure out what's more unique about us and our products more um, than just having this, you know, this fluff to, 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 to go in. It might, it might make, it might make our communications better uh, and mm -hmm. more direct. Has, has anyone really read, read um, do, do we have any information as to how data is being ingested at the moment? Because I know they have a product where you can tap into their API to ask the existing models um, certain questions. Is there any way that we would be able to feed like wine, more wine-specific data directly from producers, for instance? Do we know anything about that? There's a big uh, debate about um, these AI and what information they have access to so you know part of where chat gpt does, fails is because it doesn't have the right data or it's not in the right industry and there's a question of who owns that data so so right now google goes and provides a link to the website but it's a kind of service for that website okay we're going to promote your website so so people don't mind google doing that um, but they might mind it, mind an AI doing that. And so there's a big question about who owns this data. Is it going to be open and free? Um, can we plug things in? And so I think these are like the questions and also companies trying to partner or trying to get access or trying to make it work for them. Um, but it, it's incredible that like Lori, you said, you know, there was AI was some kind of thing that you knew was happening but it was sort of behind developers or whatever. And since November 30th or whenever it was released, it's just suddenly in front of everybody's face. And now every 13 year old knows how to write their essay, you know, mm. using chat. I mean, it's incredible. Well, knows how to write. And that's, I mean, that could be a debate, right? Like you just say, then you become an editor of your own. Right. AI kind of thing like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but you were mentioning uh, David about like, kicking off like starting tasting notes or even like profile about the winery. 
I've um, listened to some podcasts about like writers, maybe also journalists or something that they just kick off, you know, with AI to just like, okay, where does it go? And then they just kind of like spark ideas or something like that. Like, oh, what if, you know, Napoleon met Marie Curie, just random encounter. What would like, okay, what could happen? Just give me two chapters, you know, like things like that. So it could, like, it can be also like, yeah, creative that way, like totally in the world of fiction, but also like a starting point. I think what would be really hard is just like, are we going to be lazy and leave, you know, 95% or whatever the chat, bar, like, you know, chat GPT, like says, or just say, hey, like, I'm just taking this, but I'm rewriting everything. It's just like, it's just to avoid the dreaded white face of a blank page, you know, like, I think, um, I think that's interesting. Like, I'm just like you mentioned, Jonathan, I'm just super excited to try it for, you know, Google ads and marketing content and just like do the variant and just like, ah, oh, I never thought of that word, but that's exactly the word that we wanted. Like, you know, yeah. and just like in my well, wonderful team of eight, we never came up with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then to refine as well, I've also tested a couple of things where you type in improved grammar and then pop in, pop in a sentence and discover that didn't do so much. But if you type in improve English, colon and then copy and paste it in it makes my paragraphs so much more readable um because it's not just the grammar like the grammar is okay but the flow could be smoother and it takes what i wrote and it will smooth it out so i think it's really one of these things of like when it's used for good it can be amazing uh yet there's also all these ways of using it for uh for yeah. evil as well um such as with disinformation and stuff like that but um i think a lot of us at the moment are exploring it for good but there's certainly some people out there that are figuring out how they can accelerate the disinformation cycle on the oh, other sure. on the other side can i suggest as well some things that um put in the kind of like put a pin on it like there are some functions that um allow to not downgrade but simplify the copy so you start maybe with a science text and it's got <clears> all the data about let's say the planets or something like that okay like, but like make it to the level of a 12th grader, make it to the level of a fifth grader. And part of you is just like, okay, like how could that be a way to speak about wine meeting you at the level where you want to be? Hey, you want to know about tannin, pH, and the bricks at harvest? Okay, we'll get you that. And then have ChatGPT be like, hey, do you just want to know like what kind of like wine connoisseur, like, you know, like this is kind of like interesting Maybe there is now no longer one tasting note, but there is five of them, a different yeah. level. It may not just be simplification, but more like what matters to the user. So that got me excited as well. Totally. totally. I, chopped, I went in and I took a press release that we had it generated. And I said, now explain it to a five-year-old. And it was really interesting <laughs> to say this. Like, I can't remember what they used to describe what websites were, but like um, it started describing wine as grape juice. Which is something that obviously a five-year-old could relate to and like this company makes white makes grape juice this company stores information on grape juice and they are now going to do something together and um and it was really targeting different audiences um i think though that's there, there's yeah it's it's really interesting we looked at it from a coding perspective as well I mean, we've been using ai in our development environment since since yeah a couple of years um, to help us um, autocomplete, like we we type in a line or two of documentation, and then the code generator is able to to generate what we do, and it's basically drawing on all of the publicly available source code out there. Um, so 
and it's also interesting to see that some patterns come up which we hadn't thought about um and it's in, and, and um and you can also make corrections as you go along so it's 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 working with you but it's the the generative um yeah ai that's it's i think it's a big productivity gain as well you always have to double check right it's the code is grammatically correct but it doesn't mean that it's doing what you want it to do so on all of these things you have to check um check dates the, the, the chat gpt you know actually pulled out the right date of the event um or the right url because if you don't like it looks really really good to begin with but it can be so riddled with 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 actual errors um completely grammatically correct but riddled with actual content errors that it's it's uh yeah it still needs human it still needs humans in the loop for the more advanced features so so it's really we're, we're really not at a point where chat gpt could save wink as a business uh, there's the amount of creativity is is not quite there yet but the business improvements i think we've got an interesting tool to play with yeah for sure yeah well i think it does all, it does it is an interesting tool for smaller businesses against larger ones because the larger ones are going to have you know if they haven't already had their compliance departments come in and block chat gpt on their networks and put policies in place for their employees to not do anything in chat gpt and all the smaller companies are going to be using it um, and granted, Microsoft is, you know, an investor in ChatGPT or an open AI, and they're looking to step up their stake in the business and put another 10 billion into it. So, you know, they're looking at the enterprise story uh, down the road, but there's this window right now where I think there's, um, you know, there's, there's a very unique opportunity for smaller companies to take us, take a, to do some things that the, only the larger companies were able to do before. Yeah, and and today we can we can not only do it uh, a bit better, but we can do it really quickly. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's a few ideas you guys have mentioned of generating different versions of tasting notes, for instance, and comparing whatever's generated with your blank page, right? So using it as a starting point. Uh, there's definitely a, like quite a bit of value already, um, but it's also not. I think it's it's not at the point where it's going to revolutionize the way that we, people discover and experience wine. Um, not quite, not quite. Maybe, maybe in the near future. <laughs> Chat GTP four, right? That's coming out in six <laughs> weeks or so. Well, they've got, they've got <laughs> they have a paid plan, and when you pay for the plan, they actually have access to more advanced models. So they they are already working on different things, and now the world is feeding data and 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 things they're trying with it. It's just look, it's a beautiful, beautiful um, learning experience for them for sure. Yeah. And what you were talking about earlier about um, feeding in wine websites, I think right now um, the current data set is up to 2021. Mm -hmm. So the it doesn't know about recent events um, or um, uh, yeah, so I'm not certain how it digests new websites at this point, but it's still in beta and they're just wanting to. Yeah. But what, an, what an amazing it. marketing move. I mean, this is yeah. this so Sam Altman's money who was who was doing Y Combinator and incredible that and there it's a I don't forget how much they're spending a billion a, a week or, or every two weeks or I mean it's nuts, but they just put them they just made the greatest, you know, product launch since maybe the iPhone or since the Tesla or the you know, I mean, it's incredible. And now everybody's looking to them. Um, For sure. 
so even from a, like a tech perspective, it's uh, impressive, impressive. Well, I think it's also then to take this and put it against the backdrop of all of the voice assistants, right? So, you know, Amazon has, I think, laid off half of their Alexa staff because after 10 years, they decided they couldn't figure out how to make money off of the voice assistants or they couldn't make money off of people asking simple commands because that's what people that's what you're able to do with the voice assistants. Um, and it was just burning up CPU power and resources in their data center and they weren't able to generate money. And then you have, and it's like you were talking about, um, yeah, going out and uh, one step past Google, being able to summarize resources out there. Um, you know, whatever the tech that Alexa is based on, that's now, you know, that's now ancient tech. Um, and it's no much, you know, you know what you can do, turn on lights, set a reminder, um, set, uh, set a timer, and uh, there's no way to make it do what ChatGTP does without a complete overhaul of what they're doing. So I think it's, whether they knew about this before they started the process or it was just based on their own internal numbers, I think that's, it's a necess it's something that was inevitable um, that they're going to have to do. Final question for you, Laurie. Um... I've, I've, I've seen how um, uh, it's also capable of basically creating uh, images and art. Would you, would you mm -hmm. consider using it for wine labels? Well, not for wine labels, but for potentially like more like what we call lifestyle images. So bottles into scenes. Uh, we've been playing a little bit with it uh, already. Um, and just kind of like based, you know, on the attribute of the wine, you know, like the, and then like, okay, what kind of environment do you think this wine bottle will look the best or something like that? Um, that's something that we've been a bit playing with. The problem is, is right now you have very little control, like the outcome of the image is the outcome of the image. So right now what we are playing a bit with, and we're just at the beginning, um, it's just like, okay, like what if the AI starts writing more of the code to create the 3D in the first place and have it do like the heavy lifting. And then we have the human, um, you know, polishing it for like a better term or something like that. So we've been playing with it and it's, the results are totally like decent. I'll share on Slack to show you like two images that we created mm -hmm. that way. But it's, um, it doesn't have the interface for like fine tuning, editing, you know, if it needs to be a bit brighter, like just, we don't have, you know, like those control. So I think for us, like we are, I think for sparking ideas, like that's something that we're going to test to just say, hey, we need ideas of how to sell rosé. <laughs> Give us, you know, and then like, what do we do with that um, that way? So that's kind of more how we're approaching it right now. Um, yeah. It's okay, it's really fun. Like future. I really like the open, open box. Like there's no limits. Mm -hmm. There was already no limit with 3D technology, but I could feel like we just opened another door that I didn't even know was a door if I, you know. I, I think uh, overall, Nick, the, the, the question is not whether we would use it to generate a wine label. Uh, the question is whether we could use it to generate a wine label for a $25 wine or for a $2 wine. Mm -hmm. and, and the argument here is where, where the, 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 the consumption and markets are going into a hyper-localization mode. And if you, if you can have two buck chuck, to have a localized label generated for each and every county in the US, 
well, that's a couple of questions and there you go. You've got labels for localized tuba chuck. You've got 25,000 of them. Um, most of us here evolve in the premium and ultra premium segments of the wine market, i.e. kind of 20 bucks and above. Um, but overall, the scalability of it is also mind-blowing, right? Uh, you want one line of code written, it'll do it. You want 100,000 lines of code written, it'll do it. Um, so the effectiveness of generating these things, absolutely incredible. Well, that was it for the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. Um, I'd like to thank uh, all of you for joining us again. Um, we'll be back in a few weeks. Thank you. Thanks so much, David. Thank Take you, care, guys. everyone. Good to see you. <laughs>